Hey guys, I'm excited to be here. Um, and I'm excited about World Changer Series. How many people here have thought that you'd like to change the world? You have some changes that you think, you know, some, some things. This series is, is about the fact that you, we can make a difference. It's doable. It might be overwhelming if you've looked at the world and you've seen the hurt and you've seen the pain to say, what can I do? I'm just one person. You can make a difference, and that's what this series is about. I was thinking about Susan's opening with um, what was going, you know, what had happened with Robin Williams and how much that hit people. It was just, I've never seen anything like it. If you're on Facebook and you see the volume of things that people wrote as far as their hearts were breaking, and it took people by shock. Why? Why was it so shocking? A lot of it was because of the fact that from our perspective, from the world's perspective, when people look at Robin Williams, it seems like he has everything, right? A lot of times people think about the fact that to be happy or to have joy, that it's about things like being successful, being talented, you know, having, he had the world love him, and yet he still was hurting inside. And so a part of this World Changers series, a lot of when you think about changing the world, isn't it changing people around you that are hurting and wanting to help? Isn't that a part of it? Like you're looking and you're seeing people. So sometimes it's, it's obvious that people are hurting. Sometimes you, you meet people and you could tell that they're hurting, that they're alone, that they feel empty or that they feel discouraged, that they don't feel valuable, that they don't feel purposeful, that they feel lost. And sometimes it's like Robin Williams where people are feeling all those things and nobody knows. And so today in particular, I'm going to talk about how more specifically we can be there for other people when they need help. But first, I actually want to just remind you uh, of one of the scriptures that we opened with in Luke 4 because I really believe, because my life was changed radically by Jesus Christ, I really believe with all my heart that the way we can impact people the most is to help people to know who Jesus is. Because there's a limit as to how much we can help. Have you ever felt drained because you were trying to rescue somebody? Has that ever happened to you where it feels like you give and give and you're like, oh, I just can't do enough of helping people? A lot of times that's because we are relating to wanting to help like we are the Savior. God never intended for that to be our role, that, that when we're helping people, it's on our shoulders. The way we can have the biggest impact is to help other people come into relationship with Jesus because Jesus can heal. And that's what this, book, uh, what this says in Luke 4, verse 18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me and will look to preach Preach is just to declare, to tell. It's not like everybody thinks of preaching is like what I'm doing right now, preaching. Um, but it's just like telling people. Uh, the gospel, and the gospel, the word gospel means good news. It's the good news of Jesus. The good news that Jesus came to heal. The good news that Jesus came to love unconditionally, that he laid down his life to pay the price for all of humanity. The good news that you can have life to the full, that he came to give us life and have it more abundantly. It says, to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And that's one that, that breaks our hearts sometimes, right? That was the Robin Williams thing, is bro somebody that's brokenhearted. 
to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And so this is what Jesus is able to do. This is what Jesus is willing to do. So the best way we can help people as much as possible is to try and get them to come to know Jesus. But have you ever thought, well, I'm going to sound weird if I talk about Jesus? Is that, have you ever thought, when you think about people talking about Jesus, they seem like weirdos? There are a lot of weirdos talking about Jesus. You've noticed that, right? There's somebody in downtown Los Gatos gets up on a little, um, one of those little crates with the bull horn and says, starts yelling at people, you're, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. You know, I mean, sometimes don't you think that's what it looks like to talk about Jesus? You got to be some kind of a freak, Jesus freak. We were kind of proud of that in the 60s, being called Jesus freaks, but uh, <laughs> it was like cool. But uh, maybe not so much, right? No? Jesus freak? Okay. <laughs> anyway, so I want to just talk about some of, there's some great stuff in God's Word as far as how we can be there. I would say part of what is obnoxious when you think about people sharing Jesus is, is have you noticed where it seems like it's about what their agenda, that there's like ego in it? You know, where it's kind of like, hey, I need to get you to change the way you think over to my way of thinking so that I feel better about myself or right. People even getting angry or what have you. People, do, you know, talking at you. All, all of these things are the pictures that I get. I've had those experiences when I was an atheist. I was just like, you people are weird psycho people, you Christians. Doesn't need to look like that, though, as far as sharing Jesus. So I want to talk about this and what the Bible says in Ephesians 4 and verse 29. It says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But, in contrast to that, it's what is good for necessary edification that it might impart grace to the hearers. So what we're supposed to be sharing and talking, and I want to kind of break this down, it says, for edification, there's, you know, it talks about edify a lot in the Bible, and I want to read the definition because it's a word that we don't use as much today, and so I think it helps to understand it. To edify means to instruct or benefit, especially morally or spiritually, to uplift. So what this is saying is, that our goal when we're talking to people and sharing is how can we help instruct or benefit somebody morally or spiritually and lift them up. It's also we think of building somebody up. It says what is good for necessary, what people need. Now, how do you know what somebody needs as far as help goes or uplifting? How do you know that? Well, I would say, I mean, God could tell you. That's possible. God could tell you, hey, this is what this person needs. But I'm going to suggest you could, you could ask them about themselves. Part of the thing is when we're sharing is to, to be more oriented towards hearing somebody, towards listening more than talking. Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so our purpose in whatever we do as far as sharing goes is we want to build people up. And if you're thinking in those terms that how I want to be there for somebody is I want to be there to meet their needs. I want to be connected with what that person's going on in that person's heart and be there. And, you know, today it's funny because our ambassadors, we um, train them on, on how to have conversations 
with people. And when they go out and talk to people just that they meet in a park or at a store, they over and over again get into situations where in seconds, or maybe not seconds, minutes, I'm exaggerating, sorry, seconds, in minutes, this person that's a total stranger is spilling their guts. We've had story after story, miracle after miracle, where somebody's just walking, talking to a stranger. We've got people in our church today that, that one of our ambassadors met and just started talking to that spilled their guts and said, hey, I wanted to end my life today, you know, until I met you. Where, and that ambassador's praying for them, and they're just crying, and they're saying, I just, it's like God sent you. Like when you're oriented, why would somebody spill their guts to somebody that they just met? It's caring about what's going on for that person and wanting to listen. Because there are not that many people that really care or that really listen or take an interest in what's going on with other people. And then it says that it may impart grace. That's a part of it. So we're talking about the fact that we want to talk about things that are going to benefit this person and build them up, lift them up, as well as impart grace. And then in the King James, it actually says minister grace. Like um, in the book, What's So Amazing About Grace, it says that we're called to be grace dispensers. Grace is God's unmerited favor, meaning we don't deserve it, and God loves us and gives us his favor over and over again. It's it, a simple way to think about it is God is for us, whether we deserve it or not. God's in our corner rooting for us. And we want people, that's what we want to share with people. We want to be for other people in their corner and rooting for them the same way God is. And I'm going to take a look. I love it because this is um, a great record that has a lot of principles on how we can be there for other people. In Acts 17 and verse 16, it says, this is uh, the Apostle Paul, and he's at Athens, and it says, uh, now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, it said his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Now, this is interesting. So he gets to the city of Athens, and, um, and he sees idols. Idols are, are things that, that are gods of nothing. They're just statues that people made and worshipped. And so he's looking around at the city full of idols, and they, you know, and it hurts his heart. Why? It's not because he's judging them, and we're going to see there's not judgment here, but it's out of love because they're giving their lives to something that's empty and won't be there and won't work. And that hurts his heart. He's just sitting there. He's looking at this and saying, this whole city is in bondage because they're laying their lives down and worshiping empty statues that people made that can't do anything for them. And so it hurts his heart. Very similarly to when we did week one of World Changers, where Jesus looks at the multitudes with compassion, and he, said, and he sees that they, that, that they are hurting, that they're sheep without a shepherd, that they're lost. And so that's kind of where Paul is, of just looking at the city and, and the state that they're in that they didn't... Uh... And then in verse 17 it says... Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplaces daily with those who happened to be there. So this is another thing too, just on verse 17. He went, this is where people hung out. The synagogues and the marketplaces where people went out. You know, it's not like having a relationship with God. We want to be with people. We want to care. We want to be like, you know, not be hiding out, you know, in a little insular compound someplace. It's not it. It says, and then in verse 18, it says, then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. 
And it's kind of funny because Epicureans and Stoics are kind of the opposite. Epicurean philosophically was like, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. It's just like, let's party and have a good time because there's nothing after this, so let's just get wasted. It's kind of what that was, right? <laughs> um, you know, if there's nothing after this, kind of makes some sense, doesn't it? And then it says, and Stoics were just the opposite that felt like the key to life was having no desire, you know, just being detached and not needing anything. So they were kind of opposite ends of, of the spectrum there. So they um, encountered him, and some said about Paul, what does this babbler want to say, which is like, it, it, babbler means seed picker, is, is what it literally means in the Greek. The word is seed picker, and what that means is it was a, it was a term that they used for a buffoon. <laughs> Somebody's this idiot. Pick up, you know, somebody that picks up information and just repeats it without understanding, an empty talker. So that's what they were calling the Apostle Paul. He says, what does the babbler want to say? And others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. Okay. And then we see in verse 19, it says, and they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. And the Areopagus was from the heirs, the Greek uh, god of thunder. It was the same as the Roman god Mars. Sometimes they also called it Mars Hill. And so it was a way that place that they talked about new philosophies and things. So this is like we might know of which you speak. And it says in verse 20, for we are bringing, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what else these things mean. For all the Athenians and foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but to tell or to hear some new thing. They, um, it was kind of like the beatniks, you know, back in the day. People would get together and talk about deep things, coffee houses. It was kind of like that. Um, <laughs> I'm so old school. My references, I do this at my acting class too. I, you know, my references are just all old stuff that nobody knows. <laughs> anyway, it says um, in verse 22, it says, Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. So I want, it's really cool because I want you to think about how he's approaching them. The word religious, we did the thing about religion versus spirituality. I'd say most of the time today people kind of think of religion as being not a good thing. But in, back in the day when Paul was saying this, this was a compliment. It would be kind of similar to somebody going, I perceive you're a very spiritual person. Because that's a compliment, isn't it? If you told somebody, I think you're really spiritual, they'd go, yeah, I, I like that, right? <laughs> I feel it's good. Thank you. Thank you. I like to consider myself a very spiritual person. So he was kind of saying that to them. They were worshiping idols, and he's saying, so part of this is what I love is he gets on their side. You know how I said God is always on our side? He's finding something that they have in common and standing next to them on their side. He's getting, because can't you say that if somebody's pursuing spiritual things, however they're pursuing it, there's good and value in that, isn't there? This is not like a terrible thing. There's value in pursuing spiritual things. And then it says um, in verse 23, it says, For as I was passing through, and I love this. Listen to what he's doing. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. So this is so 
cool because he, he spent time to understand and to talk to them. He walked around to understand how they worshiped. He took care to take time to find out about them. It would be like going to a Buddhist temple, right? And just going, I want to know, I'm curious. Why would we be afraid at all of being curious about what other people think or believe or why? Of taking time to do that. We talked about the, in the spirituality versus religion, open-minded versus closed-minded. That we would not, like, we want to stay where we can have conversations without judgment on other people and where they're coming from to at least understand. So I love that he did that in this instant, that he was curious. So when he's speaking to them, he's coming from a place of he took time first to understand. That's a principle, too, when you're tr wanting to help somebody is to seek first to understand, then be understood. It talks about that in the Seven Habits book. If you want to be there for somebody, first seek to understand where they're coming from, you know, instead of being so busy about your agenda, etc. I do, like I say, I believe Jesus is the way to help people, but how can I even know how Jesus can help them if I don't take time to understand what that person is about, or what that person thinks, what they believe, why, what their needs are. Kind of cool, huh? It's radical. And then what he does is he takes what he found, the inscription of the unknown God, and springboards it into sharing. So let's go to, um, so he finds a need. That's kind of like finding a need. Here you've got a God, you say you don't know. I will help you with that. You know, that's something you could use some help with. I can help. And in verse 24, it says, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. So this is kind of cool, too, because this is a very new concept, because they were relating to God, as oftentimes people do, as as thinking about doing everything for God, and he's saying God doesn't need you that way. God is somebody that gives everything, life, breath, everything. In verse 26 it says, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined by their pre-appointed times the boundaries of their dwelling so that they should seek the Lord in hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. And that's a, that message is that God's not hard to find. If you want to find God, God's right there. God doesn't play hide and seek. God loves people, wants a relationship. God is present. And if you seek, if you have an open heart to seek God, you will find God. It says in the Bible, seek and you will find. You just want to be a seeker. So it's kind of a comforting message he's telling them too. And then in verse 28 it says, oh, I love this. It says, for in him, in God, we live and move and have our being. Also, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. You know both of those, for in him we live, move, and have our being, as well as for we are his offspring? He was quoting their own philosophers. It would be like you're talking to somebody about Jesus and you quote the Koran to help them to understand who Jesus is. How cool is that? You know, that he got there where he wasn't intimidated or afraid. He wanted to understand and understand. He used to help to reach their hearts something that they already believed and understood 
to help them to know who Jesus is. And that's actually one of my, you know, it's always been one of my favorite verses. It's a Cretan poet in 600 BC, that in him we live, move, and have our being. Because it applies to God, doesn't it? Even though, you know. And let's go to uh, verse 29. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone something shaped by art and man's devising. He's taking their th reasoning and their thinking, saying, if we're children of God, does it make sense that God would be made by a person? Based on the, their own uh, poets. And then in verse 30, 30, it says, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent or have a change of heart, because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him, Jesus, from the dead. That God was a God of grace and of understanding, and he says that he understands that they just didn't know, that they just didn't know about Jesus. And in verse 32, it said, And when they heard the res of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, well, like, oh, you sound like an idiot. Other people said, well, we'll hear you again. I think I need to hear a little more. Some people, some people you're going to share Jesus and they're going to make fun. Hey, I, hate to, I wish I had better news for you than that. You know, that happened uh, just recently to one of our people. She was just, she was, uh, she was just sharing and, and the guy got really mad and just kind of went off on her. And she was just like, hey, I just, just care about people, that's all. I'm not trying to force you into anything. I'm just talking to you about this because I care, but it's okay if you're not into it. You know, so you're going to get maybe some of that. And then you also get where some people say, well, you know, okay, that's maybe a little tad interesting, but I think I need to hear. Let's talk about it another time. And then it says in um, verse 34, However, some uh, men, its people, joined him and believed, among them Dionysius the Areopagite and the woman named Demarius and others with them. So it's free will. It's free will. It's like you want, we just want to make it available, though. It's not our job, and actually I want to take you to this verse of Scripture. It's not our job to change people's minds. It's just to let people know what's available and to love people that we are to be dispensing God's grace that people get to see how good God is, that, that we're giving people God's grace and God's love. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse uh, 6. It says, um, I planted Apollo water, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. So, it's kind of interesting, like our job is just to plant or to water, or both, you know? But it's up to God to give the increase. Like, it's just all we can do. You think about, like, for plants. Plants, like growing a plant's a pretty spectacular thing, right? Anything, you've seen thing grow, isn't it kind of, especially, remember when you were a kid and you planted like a seed and watched it like, come out of the ground and you were like, oh, it's pretty, pretty amazing to see that kind of thing. G growing plants is, is a phenomenal thing. But we don't do the growing part, do we? That's kind of the hard part, right? That's the magic of creation and how life works. You know, but what we can do is we plant and we water. And you think about what planting and watering is, like it makes a difference, doesn't it, how you plant and water something? Have you ever not watered a plant for a while? It doesn't do so well, in spite of the fact that that's not the hard part. 
You know, or you plant it and you don't plant it in good soil, etc. You plant it on something that doesn't have any nutrients in it. So part of how we can be there for people too is in how we prepare the soil, how we take care to plant and water, that there is something to it. That basically means that we want to be thinking about how we can be there for others and meet their needs, because that's the purpose, is to create the environment where people could open their hearts to get to know who Jesus is. So that would not be getting on your bullhorn in downtown Los Gatos telling everybody you're going to hell, probably. I'm thinking, not a good environment, right? Would you think that that's like the best preparation for people's hearts? I just, you know, how many people... Why do people do that anyway? It's just like, who really follows that? Have you ever seen anybody like follow one of those people? It's just like, gotta be kind of a little crazy if you did, I guess. But um, kind of thing. That's just certainly not preparing the soil. In fact, it makes it harder for anybody else that wants to share Jesus' love, you know, kind of thing. But that God's in it. This is the other part. So it is important how we prepare the soil, how we water it. But the other part is that God gives the increase and to trust that. Trust that God's stirring in people's hearts. One of the things, you know how we talked about praying last week, is pray for people regularly. I keep a list of people I'm praying for. You know, just pray every day. You'd be amazed at what it does as far as opening people's hearts because it says we're fellow laborers with God. I like to think about it sometimes. It's like, I, like you know, I'm little, but God and Jesus big, right? I like to think about it like um, fellow laborers. We're working together. Who do you think's doing the hard work? Lifting the fellow laborers. It's almost like a little kid who helps the parents in the kitchen. Are they really that helpful? <laughs> What's their contribution? Not maybe a whole lot. So I think about that as far as being a fellow laborer with God. As you've got God on one side, I'm like, okay, here we go, God. And then we get Jesus on the other, okay, Jesus. And so then I got both of them going, okay, here we go, guys. Let's go wherever you say. Walking around and go, where do you want me to go, God? Who can I speak to? To, not, to understand that this isn't on our shoulders, that we're fellow laborers with God, and to pray for people. You got people that need Jesus that are hurting out there that you know, or even people you're not even sure that they're hurting, like Robin Williams. Pray for people you know. You know, like get, I, seriously, like get, a, get, write a prayer list. If you don't have that right now, I really encourage you, get a prayer list and be praying for people's hearts that you know that could, be, that could be helped by getting to know Jesus. That their lives could change like, like mine has, like you, yours has if you've come to know Jesus. But just that we want to help, that we want to be there to pass on healing for people. And just to be committed to pray for people every day. So let's just go through this. We want to be on their side because God's on their side. It's not one of these debate things, you're over here, I'm over here, let's have some argument about religion, really. You know, again, it's like that's not benefiting anybody. You know, it's also to be curious, to seek first, to understand, to ask questions, and to listen more than talk. One of the things that we talk about doing as far as like, because you want to share according to their needs, is I when I meet people, is I'm praying and I'm asking God, God, what do I say? What do I say? How can I be there for this person? But you can pray and also be looking to get into conversations where people will talk about needs. What I do is talk about relationships a lot. It's kind of my thing in my ministry. I think God can really help relationship stuff, whether you're dating or married or whatever, or single or, you know, in any state, God can help relationships. Most people care very much about relationships. So I'll try and ask lots of questions about that. 
and see how people are. You can ask about things about what they want, what their goals, what their purpose is, where are they going, things that show that you care, that you're interested. You know how few people just ask and care about other people? It's so unusual that that's what I'm saying is like, is just the worst thing you could have done in that conversation is you at least passed some love on and made people feel cared about. That's pretty cool, right? You know? So get on their, on their side. Look for needs by asking questions. Look, get, let your conversations go deep instead of just, you know, always the shallow stuff, you know? Maybe you've got friends you never went deep with. Maybe it's time to get together and have coffee with them sometime, you know? And just ask them about stuff. Maybe share some of what's going on in your life. Then the other thing is, is it's good to edify, build people up. That's what it's talking about, building people up, to look for places like Paul said, I see you're very religious. You know, looking for places that you can validate whatever their, their journey has been. If they have a hunger for God, a curiosity for God, or some interest, to me, I think that's awesome, you know? I spent many years in the corporate world where nobody cared about anything but some stupid yacht, you know, or cars, or houses, or do you know what I mean? Like, that's all that they talked about. I'd rather talk to somebody that's at least seeking spiritual things anyway, or has some curiosity about it. Find common ground. Cleave. The Bible says to cleave to that which is good, just like the Apostle Paul did, where he talked about, um, you know, in him we live, breathe, and have our beings. And then pray for open doors because God's in it. So I'd like you to think about two things this week, is to pray for people in your lives, to pray for open doors that you can be there to, to bless that person and to meet their needs. There could be people that are hurting in your life right now and you have no idea, and you can be present and help them to maybe start a relationship with Jesus that could change their life. It's worth it, isn't it? I'm telling you, you can't, we can't change the whole world, but we can change the world one person, one life at a time, that we can be there for somebody. We talked about this, that hurt people hurt people is why the world is so screwed up right now, but we can interrupt that and be healed people that heal people. Amen? Amen. Okay, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your love and goodness uh, that we can make a difference. Help us not to be apathetic. Help us to not give up or be overwhelmed by what we see, but say, hey, I can make a difference right here, right now, this moment. This moment, I can make a difference today. To be thinking about people in our lives that we could reach out to, that we could have coffee with, that we could ask them about them and listen and care and be present. And oh, pray, God, that you're in it, that you will be working in it, that, that we can look for opportunities to, to share about you, Jesus, and who you are and how you've healed our lives. Thank you, Lord. Amen.